And now, Revival Fires International presents the Revival Fires radio broadcast with the dynamic evangelistic ministry of Dr. Tim Todd, a powerful voice for God and country. Welcome to this very special Veterans Day edition of the Revival Fires radio broadcast. First and foremost, we want to express our highest honor and appreciation for all of those who have served this great nation in the many branches of our military. Your sacrifice and commitment to our freedoms do not go unrecognized. And to the families of veterans, we are so grateful for you and we honor your gift to our nation. On today's broadcast, Dr. Tim Todd will be hosting a powerful interview with the New York Times best-selling author, David Limbaugh, the brother of Rush Limbaugh. You are in for a special treat today, so let's go directly to this interview between Dr. Tim Todd and David Limbaugh. Welcome. I'm your host, Tim Todd. I have a special guest with me today, David Limbaugh, the brother of Rush Limbaugh, and he's also a New York Times best-selling author. In Jeremiah chapter 6, it says, Ask for the old paths, but the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find peace for your soul. I believe that America has left the old paths, and we need to get back to where we came from so that we can find peace for our nation. David, it's good to have you on the program today. Great to be here, Tim. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Do you really feel like, David, that there is a war against Christianity, and do you believe that it is a spiritual battle? Yes, I believe it's a battle taking place both on the spiritual and material realms. And yes, I think there's an overall culture war going on, and the main target of the culture war opponents are Christians. I think the reason for that is that the secular humanists, the anti-Christians, those who subscribe to a different worldview, consider us as the last remaining obstacle to the full-blown imposition of their radical worldview. We stand in the way. Not all of us. But a good portion of Christians stand in the way, stand up for the old path. That's right. In fact, David, when our nation was founded, 52 of the 55 writers of the Constitution were right. evangelical Christians. No question. And the Declaration, similar number, strong practicing Christians, not just occasional casual Christians. And they incorporated Christian principles into the Constitution. And speaking of your old path, isn't it ironic that the first common schools, the forerunners to public schools, were formed by Christian people parents for the explicit purpose of giving their kids Christian instruction. They wanted them to learn how to read so they could learn to read the Bible, which they believed was essential for salvation. Certainly in the New England Primer, there you go. that was the primary textbook for our public schools from 1690 to 1890. Yes. Two of the questions in the New England Primer were, what is the sixth commandment and what does it forbid? Well, right. the sixth commandment, David, was thou shalt not kill. And it forbids students killing each other in school. Yes. It forbids them killing their parents and killing each other. These yeah. are the old paths of America. Exactly. And our entire Constitution is undergirded by absolute values. To the extent that we allow those values to be attacked, we are seeing an erosion of the very foundation that holds up our liberties. And people think that we can just continue to piggyback onto this freedom tradition. But after a generation or so more of this radical scrubbing away of Christian principles as a bedrock of our society, we're going to see a full-blown erosion of our liberties. We're talking about the old paths of America, where we came from, and now let's talk some about where we left the old paths. What happened and how that our nation has turned away from God? 
you know, it's an interesting phenomenon that the activist courts have scraped away at our religious liberties. But I would argue that there's a bubbling up from the culture. These judicial decisions have not occurred in a vacuum. And take the case 1947, Everson versus Board of Education. In that case, the Supreme Court under Justice Hugo Black incorporated the Establishment Clause against the state. The problem with that case, the primary problem was, they for the first time said separation of church and state is in the Constitution. They did that by judicial fiat. It was from a letter from Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist. It was never supposed to be in the Constitution. But the courts, just by the stroke of their pens, said now it's going to be in the Constitution. And since then we've seen a radical expansion of the Establishment Clause, which was originally just intended to prohibit the establishment of a national church. Now it's used to prevent all endorsements of the Christian religion, such as school and prayer. It wasn't even mandatory. It was non-sectarian. And yet the courts in New York, well, ultimately the United States Supreme Court, Engel versus Vitale, said there no more prayer in public schools. And that's an example of leaving the old path. And we've seen in the last 40 years since that decision just a tremendous explosion of secularism and a phenomenon where God is no longer welcome in the public square. And let's look at that case for just a moment, David. Engel vs. Vitale in June of 1962, I believe it was, and then Abington vs. Shem in June of 1963. The prayer that was used to remove prayer from school in 1962, it said, Almighty God... We acknowledge our dependence on you. We beg your blessings on us, on our parents, on our teachers, and on our nation. Amen. Now that was not a Baptist prayer. It wasn't a Methodist prayer. It wasn't an Assembly of God or a Church of God or a Church of Christ or a Christian church prayer. It was non-denominational, and yet the Supreme Court said with that prayer... We've got to take God out of school. And it was non-coercive, and it was certainly not the Congress doing it, the federal Congress. It wasn't even the state government. It was a subsidiary of a state government, i.e. the public schools, and they just led the kids in an innocuous prayer honoring God. And now, through this radical expansion of the Establishment Clause, they say that's an intermixture of church and state, and we've got to stop it. As if the introduction of Christian principles and Christian expression in the public square is an airborne virus that is contagious and it's going to infect all people. So when we countenance the notion that Christianity is offensive on its face, we are in a serious bind in this country, and that's really where we are. We're acknowledging, if you say the pledge, even in a non-coercive way, the kids who are sitting around of minority faiths or non-Christian faiths might be offended, and therefore that non-constitutional right to not be offended doesn't exist, now trumps the most important liberty we have in the Constitution, preserved by the first two clauses of the very first amendment of the Constitution, religious liberty. It's amazing because then, one year later, in 1963, the Supreme Court ruling, based on this statement, removed the Bible from school. They said, there is a danger that if the Bible is read without explanation, it could cause psychological harm. <laughs> now, can you imagine? Well, yeah, I can imagine because the people who have this secular worldview, this humanist worldview, do not acknowledge a creator of the universe. And they believe, by the way, that there is no science to support the creationism, to support intelligent design. And they therefore think that any time you introduce biblical truths into the public school system, you are dishonoring science, which to them is a religion. And therefore, you are anti-education. Well, and in your book, you make reference to a lot of cases on public school campuses where that students have been in trouble for carrying Bibles to school. And there's one case, David, that uh, you make reference to regarding the Truth For Youth Bible. 
where that there were two young ladies that took these Bibles yes. to school and they were stopped and they were threatened. D. James Kennedy did a reenactment of this. Yeah, the liberals, the seculars, said I made this story up. So thanks to D. James Kennedy for corroborating it, and thanks to you for playing this. Whenever I tell you what happened when they settled this case, it'll blow you away. Okay. It's exciting. Let this be a blessing to you and encourage you and call you to action that we've got to stand up and take back what the devil has stolen from our nation. What did these sisters take to school that prompted such outrage from a public school teacher? She said, I don't tolerate this garbage in school. She waved at my face and was pointing her finger at my face saying, young lady, come here, do you have one of these? The object of this teacher's outrage, youth Bibles. Amber and Angela, 7th and 8th grade students at a Texas public school, were attending Saturday school sessions. They had to make up for days they had missed due to the flu and strep throat. Every day before entering the school doors, each student's study material is inspected by a teacher. These sisters say they always took their Bibles to school, but it so happens that on this particular day, the teacher could actually see their Bibles laying on top of their binders. Sisters Amber and Angela say that after the teacher confiscated their Bibles, they were both escorted immediately into the principal's office. She took us to the office and she said, um, this garbage is not tolerated in our school, and she threw it in the garbage. I was thinking, why is she doing that? What's so bad about a Bible? I was like, it ain't like I had a gun with me, like I was going to hurt somebody. I had a Bible, and I was just going to read it. A Bible can't harm you in any way. Both sisters claim that once the teacher had trashed their Bibles, she threatened them even further. She said, if your mother ain't here within 30 minutes, I'm calling Child Protective Services on you. I think that is reprehensible. Matt Staver, President and General Counsel for the Liberty Council. There is, outside of child abuse, no reason to have Child Protective Services even mentioned. But they were simply trying to intimidate these students. Amber was frightened by this situation because when she was six years of age, a friend of hers was actually taken from their home by Child Protective Services. And I've never seen her again. I thought that would happen to me. I just was really scared. Out of fear that she'd be taken from her family, Amber called her mother, Deborah, who then rushed to the school's main office, still not knowing why her daughters were in trouble. When the mother arrived, she says she was confronted by the teacher. She was yelling, screaming, hollering, and she proceeded to walk over, pick up the Bible out of the garbage she had threw away, put it in my face and said, this is garbage, it's not tolerated in school. Do you understand me? And I proceeded to say, that is not garbage, that is my children's Bible. It was horrible. I mean, being a mom, if you had children, you know, this is America. We have a right to believe in God. And among those inherent rights, Deborah also discovered the students' legal rights on public school campuses printed on the back of her daughter's Bibles. Since then, parents Deborah and Jody have filed a federal lawsuit against the school district for infringing on their daughter's First Amendment rights to free speech. Amber and Angela were not reading the Bible. They were not trying to distribute the Bible. They simply had it in their possession. They were disciplined for having the Bible on their person. It would be a different situation if they opened up the Bible during math class when they were actually supposed to be doing their math. But they were not doing that. They simply had it on their person, had not even gotten into the classroom when this incident occurred. Under the school district's policy regarding the study of religion, its guidelines state that, quote, the district may allow study of the Bible or religion for literary and historic qualities. These guidelines also apply to Saturday school, which Angela and Amber were attending. 
But local sources who asked us to not reveal their identity claim that this is not an isolated case. They allege that in the same school, certain teachers have asked students to remove Ten Commandments book covers from their books. Interestingly, Angela and Amber claim the school library itself contains objectionable books that are permitted on campus. In the library, you're allowed to check out books on witchcraft and magic, spells and stuff like that. It doesn't surprise me that the school would have occult books and no Bibles. It doesn't surprise me that the school in this particular case did what they did. It is shocking, however, that the school would punish two girls for simply having the Bible in their possession. In hopes that Angela and Amber might return to school promptly, parents Deborah and Jody have voluntarily withdrawn the case against the school district under one condition. We want to resolve this matter very quickly so that when school starts again, the school will have a policy in place that guides teachers and administrators and also gives comfort to Angela and Amber so that they'll not have to go to school terrified that they will be disciplined for bringing their Bibles. Students have religious rights and First Amendment free speech rights when they enter the schoolhouse gate. They don't shed those rights simply because they're on public school property. These two young ladies had their Bibles confiscated, the Truth For Youth Bible that we publish, and you'd expect something like this in Red China, but you would never expect anything like this right here in America. Well, they said, what can we do to settle this case out of court. And they expected that these young ladies were going to want money, David. But here's what they said. Matt Staver told the school district, they said, all we want is for you to allow those two young ladies to give a Truth For Youth Bible to every teenager in the school. So as a result <laughs> of these young ladies standing up for yeah. God and them getting Matt Staver and Liberty Council to represent them, they were able to get a Truth For Youth Bible into the hands of every teenager in that school. See, see, that's where the persecution invigorates people that are persecuted. And that's one reason God says we should rejoice in the persecution. You know, in the Bible, Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Yes. The three Hebrew boys were thrown in the fiery furnace. John the Baptist had his head chopped off. Yes. Stephen was stoned. Yeah. The axe blade drifted the blood of Paul the Apostle. And my question is, what's happened to you lately? Where are the battle scars that show that you really mean business with God? And it's going to take boldness to stand up for God in these last days. Yeah, same thing with Truth For Youth. Another plug, Truth For Youth Bible. I'll vouch for this, by the way. And thanks for sending me some. All my Absolutely. kids are going to have them. Absolutely. And, uh, but yes, people that are going to stand up for truth will be persecuted. energized. But Absolutely. I mean, they will be persecuted. But those who have boldness of their conviction and are pure in thought and spirit will come back fighting harder. And we're not supposed to roll over. Christ didn't roll over. If we don't honor our political liberty and our religious liberty, we won't be able even to honor the Great Commission. And that is to dishonor and disobey Christ himself. So I think we have an obligation to get involved and try to take back our culture and try to take back our governmental system. The Bible was taken out of school in 1963, and prayer was taken out of school in 1962. That left a void. Yes, yes. Well, now, David, that void has been replaced. Yes. Whether we had God in school, now that void has been replaced with things like teaching our young people that they evolved from apes, teaching our young people that it's all right for them to have sex outside of marriage yes. as long as they use protection, yes. teaching our young people that homosexuality is an acceptable alternative lifestyle yes. in the classroom. Yes. And in many classrooms, it's being taught that abortion is just the sloughing off of a lifeless mass of tissue. These are things that our young people in the public school classroom 
are being lied to You're about. exactly right. And, and it's religion. It's religion, and it is not denominated as religion. And those who advocate a strict separation of church and state don't believe in separation of church and state. Exactly. They believe in scrubbing away Christianity. But then they'll turn right around and actively endorse these anti-Christian or secular humanism or New Age theories. Even Islam is promoted. Share, in the share what happened in California there with the Islam. Yeah, the seventh grade social studies class, they were given extra credit to practice Islam, to pray to Mecca, to actually go through the entire motions. And it's been real constitutional to learn about religion, to learn about the Bible, but to actually practice religion or encourage the practice of religion has been deemed unconstitutional by the courts. And yet, where was Barry Lynn? Where are the America's ACLU. United for Separation of Church and State, ACLU, Freedom from Religion Foundation? They're nowhere to be found when it comes to the promotion of these other values-laden ideas in the public schools. Now, if they would have been trying to give Truth for Youth Bibles away in that school yes. in California, oh, God my gosh. forbid. Oh, they would have had the Attorney General. They would have had a concerted effort to shut you down, my friend. And, of course, what sets this Bible apart, we put comic strips in here yes. that deal with the truth about issues of moral concern that our young people, in many cases, are being lied to about in the public school. We deal with what the Bible says about homosexuality, yes. pornography, abortion, sexual purity, drugs and drinking and peer pressure. Yeah. The Bible says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I believe the absolute truths are being taken out of our public schools and replaced with things that are absolute lies. Yeah, you said there's a void, and that void has to be filled with something. They're not waiting around for the void. They're proactively trying to introduce those values, and they have. Charles Potter, 1929, in the Humanist Society of New York, he said, Education is thus a most powerful ally of humanism, and every American public school is a school of humanism. What can the theistic Sunday schools meeting for an hour once a week and teaching only a fraction of the children do to stem the tide of a five-day program of humanistic teaching. And look where we are today. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we should enforce a religion in our me public either, schools. Me but, uh, absolutely not. But I will say, any time there's any place in America where you can't read the Bible, there's something wrong, and somebody had better be doing something about well, it. Well, that's right. No, I don't want the public schools to endorse Christianity. I'd be afraid exactly. of what the kind of theology they might impose. But let's not endorse any other values. Secular humanism is a religion. Under Undermining parental values, multiculturalism, which is just a euphemism for denigrating Western civilization and Christianity. The comprehensive sex education you mentioned, it's not comprehensive. They don't tell you about the failure rate of condoms for HIV transmission or pregnancy, and they tell you it's protective. You're yeah. sending kids to their death with a Russian roulette gun. Exactly. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And you know, it's all a result of leaving the old paths. Yes. Now, the old paths, in 1897, the Supreme Court, with 87 precedents, said, and I quote, Our laws and institutions must necessarily be based upon and include the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind. You see, our nation was founded on biblical principles. That's right. And we have left the old paths. Yeah, yeah. The framers clearly believed that man was made in God's image. And that idea that man is made, created by an omnibenevolent, omniscient, all-powerful God is what gives rise to the inalienable rights we talk about. I've got a question for you. Yes, sir. What do you believe is the motivation for the liberals having such a hatred towards Christianity? I almost think it's like the vampires with the cross. <laughs> I, I, I just, I really think that the light of truth, when it shines on those who don't subscribe to the truth, makes them nervous. But as a practical matter, they see Christians as the last remaining obstacle to the full-blown imposition of their licentious, unaccountable, irresponsible lifestyle. 
and they don't want to be accountable to anyone. They want to be able to characterize murder of the most innocent beings in existence in the womb as a constitutional right to privacy of a woman. When we're talking about a separate being, it inconveniences her so they can turn this around and say the moral position, not just an acceptable position, but the moral high ground is allowing that woman to murder her own flesh and blood in the womb. And by the way, my wife is pregnant. I just saw an ultrasound at three months. It looks a little bit like an alien, I don't deny. But you cannot deny that's a human being in there. We got the eyes, we got the stubs out of the arm. I mean, it's not a little seed. Right. I mean, it's an outrage that they are able to turn these lies around. And you know, the law is written in our hearts, Tim. Right. Even people who are not believers, they know because God made them too. He didn't just make Christians. They all know. It's written in their hearts. And we've got a lot of people that we, even friends, who we wouldn't even consider that off-base morally, are going to support this so-called right-to-choose thing. Exactly. It's scary. It is. And in another vein, homosexuality has become rampant in yes. our nation. Yeah. And, you know, Christians, by the way, don't want to get in their face and, and prevent them from doing what they're doing by themselves. But when they try to force their lifestyle down our throat, redefine the sacred institution of marriage, which is inherently heterosexual, to support a lifestyle that is terminating an early death, that is promoting twisted values, it is kind of a shocking place where we are in our modern society because things that wouldn't even be considered thinkable a decade ago are now happening. We've got laws in California being proposed where a foster agency has to accept homosexuals as foster parents and a foster child is encouraged to report a parent if he discriminates against him as a homosexual. In other words, if a foster parent says homosexual lifestyle is not a healthy lifestyle, it's not a moral lifestyle, this kid can report them to a hotline, that was a proposed bill, and get the parents in trouble. You can't even teach the kid in your own house as a foster parent that that's an immoral lifestyle. And these people say that they're not intermixing church and state themselves. Right. Because that's fully a religious belief on Absolutely. their part. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And Christians are being persecuted. What can Christians do? Well, you know, this is a multi-pronged assault. It's happening in the public schools, in the universities, in the public square, in government property, in media, in Hollywood, in the private sector where they're given sensitivity training. One lawyer that I know of was required by a state bar association to take homosexual sensitivity training as part of his continuing legal education to keep his license. He refused. They then made him take one in feminism. Go figure that. But all these areas where there are assaults, we have to fight back and we have to dig in the dirt, we have to have a grassroots effort because they're going after it. We're in this culture war and the other side is the only one that realizes exactly. it. There are a few Christians that realize it. Most Christians are complacent. They don't appreciate the origin of their freedoms. They don't appreciate the connection between faith and freedom, the interrelationship. And so they're allowing this freedom to go by the wayside and they're allowing their values to be undercut. They better wake up because at a certain point we will have reached the tipping point and there's no going back absent a revolution. Right. If we care about what kind of tradition we're going to give to our posterity, we better get in this fight, Tim. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And you see, when they took the Bible out of school, 97% of our nation believed in God. Yes. And yet only 3% didn't. And look what we allowed to happen. Yes. People attribute that to Madeline Murray O'Hare. But really, I attribute it to God's people not taking a stand for him. Yeah, you're seeing it every day where people are afraid to stand up 
in the public square for fear of ridicule. They're even afraid to say Christ is the only way. I'm afraid I might offend somebody. No, I'm not saying you go out and evangelize even. But when somebody asks you if Christianity can be squared with some of these other major religions and you say, yes, you're making a mockery of the finished work of Christ on the cross because if other religions are the same, then That's there right. is no reason to evangelize. There was no reason for him to come and die for us. If every way is the same way, just a different path, then we are spitting on the finished work of Christ. And he ought to be ashamed and we're denying him like Peter did. That's right. And I think this is one thing that really bothers the liberals. As Christians, we acknowledge that there's no other way to get to heaven except through yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Christianity gets the bad rap. We're the only ones who claim exclusivity. No. Hinduism and Buddhism, they split off from each other because they had disagreements. Muhammad in the 600s split off from Christianity. Now, I don't mean he was a Christian, right. but I mean he formed his own religion. They say Christ was a prophet. Well, come on now. What did C.S. Lewis say about that? He was either a lord, liar, or a lunatic because he claimed to be God. You can't read the book of John and deny that he claimed to be deity. Right. And if he claimed to be deity and he wasn't deity, then he was either a lunatic or a liar. He wasn't God, and he wasn't a great moral teacher because he was lying. You can't lie and be a great moral teacher. He's truth with a capital T. He was God. He is God. Before Abraham was born, I am. Amen. And that's Jesus Christ. That's right. We're talking with David Limbaugh. And church, this is a call to action. While we watch the people of sin and Satan, while we watch the devil and his disciples in these last days, they're coming out of the hideouts and they're standing up and proudly proclaiming their sinfulness and being loud mouth and noisy for the devil. I say it's time that we, the people of God, come out of the hideout and stand up and be as loud mouth and noisy for God as the people are for the devil's things and take back what the devil has stolen from our nation. It's all about returning to the old paths. Yes, persecution will come as a result of it. But when we take a stand for God, you're going to see things happen in this nation. We need to turn this thing around, and it's up to God's people to do it. Yes, and we probably come off as a little strident, but the audience ought to understand we're just animated. We're nice guys, but we want to be gracious about this. We want to do it with gentleness and respect, but we don't want to force our religion down anyone's throats. Right. It's everyone's individual decision, but we do want to encourage our brothers and sisters to stand up for Christ. He stood up for us. He's standing up for us. I see religious liberty being suppressed by the warriors of political correctness, of secular humanism, of new ageism, and I say we've got to fight back because if we don't proactively fight for our freedoms, for our religious liberties, and for our Judeo-Christian values, they're not going to just stay around on their own. That's right. And you know, Luke 19, 13, Jesus said, Occupy till I come. That word occupy is a military term best understood by those who have served in the armed forces. I believe that you were in the National Guard. National yes, Guard. I wasn't avoiding Vietnam. It was after <laughs> Vietnam. That word occupy, it literally translates to be in charge. Yes to be in command, to have dominion over. Right. Now, Jesus did not say that to the Democrats or the Republicans or the Independents. Right. He said that to his people. We don't have to look very far, David, to see that God's people have not done a very good job of being in charge in America. No, no, and, and they've abrogated their authority and, and their rightful place in the public square. I respect Christians who think we ought not get involved, but I think they're dead wrong. I just know that if we don't get involved and don't begin to organize at a grassroots level, we're going to see an acceleration of the eradication of our liberties. So we've got to get involved. That's right. The best-selling author is David Limbaugh. Until next time, God bless you and take care. We trust that you have been enlightened and encouraged by this powerful interview with David Limbaugh. 
It has never been as important for believers to rise up and take their place in this seemingly darkened society. Would you please consider joining an effort to supply Bibles to our troops who are continuing to defend America in the war on terror? Dr. Tim Todd has continued to fulfill this God-given mandate for many years. Our nation has just rotated 5,000 soldiers into the Middle East, and we want to make sure that we supply them with the Bible that we provide. The Bibles are packaged 20 Bibles to a case, and it cost Revival Fires only $100 to provide a full case. It may be that God would lay on your heart to provide a full case with a gift of $100, or a half of a case for $50, or a quarter of a case for $25. Any amount will be tremendously appreciated. If our soldiers are willing to go on foreign soil to protect our freedoms, the very least that we ought to be doing is to secure the fact that they have a Bible in their hand. You can give to provide Bibles for our troops by going to RevivalFires.org and click on the Giving tab. Again, we want to say thank you to each of you that have served in the many branches of our military of the United States of America. To view Dr. Tim Todd's ministry itinerary, or to become a monthly flame partner, or give a one-time tax-deductible financial gift to Revival Fires to help us continue the vitally important work that God is doing through Revival Fires International, you may go to revivalfires.org or write to us at Revival Fires, P.O. Box 372, West Monroe, Louisiana, 71294. Our address again is Revival Fires, P.O. Box 372, West Monroe, Louisiana, 71294. Until our next program, thank you for praying for us, and thank you for helping us take the whole gospel to the whole world before Jesus comes.